Right now, let's go talk to Scoop Jackson, ESPNChicago.com. One of the best, if not uh, the top guy when it comes to NBA information and opinions. He is standing by on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. Every every time I'm watching a basketball documentary, there's Scoop Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, man, it used to be funny. I've been in a few, and um, now that seems to be my entire life, and that seems to be all I'm doing now. The Garnett one we talked about, and then uh, who's the dude from L.A. that you were in? Oh, Shea Cotton? Yeah, the Cotton one, which was an awesome, awesome documentary. And you you were busting out. You were borderline MC Hammer gear. Uh, when I saw you on that court with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We into the baggy days, man. You know, Boy, that was- I was like, scoop. Because I, I remember that. I think I got out of, you know, I was watching on my couch, and I went to grab a, a, something to drink, and I heard the voice, and I turned, and I said, scoop? And you were like on <laughs> L.A. playground with him, right? You kind of discovered yeah, him and blew him up, here. right? Yeah, yeah man, we were out there in, in Crenshaw, you know, out of, the, out of this high school, in the back shooting around. I think he beat me 10-zip, man. <laughs> when you were close, it wasn't even close. But that that was funny. But nobody, but I, can't, I think around the LA area at the time, they kind of knew about Shea. But because um, uh, his brother, uh, his older brother, was a great basketball player and uh, had a, had a decent college career. But Shea was a phenom at such an early age, usually in grammar school. And I kind of got lucky because my first assignment for Slam Magazine was covering that Nike basketball camp that he entered, and he was one of the youngest people there. He was a sophomore in high school at that time. Playing against Kevin, because that's why I met Kevin Garnett. And I met Paul Pierce, and I met mm. Bruce Carter. All of them were in the camp. And of the people in that camp, Shea walked away with the MVP as a sophomore. Mm. So I wrote about that in Slam Magazine, so I kind of like, I don't want to say I put him on the map, but I, I, I was one of the people on the national level that gave notice. So. Yeah, it was a great documentary, man. The dude was really honest, and it was just life is all about timing. And, it, you know, the game was more physical, too. That's one thing. We'll get to the current uh, state of the NBA, but the game was more physical back then. People, the paint, you owned it. It was if you went in, get ready, you're going to get an elbow. You're going to, you know, you're yeah. going to get bodied up. And now I, they're, they're, I like about six or seven teams I can watch, Scoop, but this AAU-style basketball of just gunning, turning around, not playing defense, not showing emotion. You know, there might be eight teams that I, I really enjoy watching, and those eight teams are usually the teams who are competing for championships because they still bring some physicality and emotion to the game. But, gosh, I the NBA needs to do something in my mind. They really do, Scoop. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's funny because we always go through these generational changes with the game because right. I remember, you know, when the game was shifting over – you know what? Thirty years ago, and you know even before that. Let's let's go let's go back to when he was transitioning <clears throat> to when the NBA came over here <clears throat> in the mid seventies, and they didn't. You know the traditionalists didn't want any part of what you know George Gervin, Julius Irving, George McGinnis, you know the Denver Nuggets with David Thompson and Dan Issel. You know they didn't want any part of that moving up and down, fast pace, scoring a lot of points non-traditional, non-half-court basketball. They didn't want that. They didn't want them flying in the air and all the acrobatics and the fancy styles, you know. They, they didn't want any of that. They, they, they'd they rather see Gail Goodrich than Pete Maravich. You know what I'm saying? They, they didn't want any of that. And then, you know, you look at the transition of style from Michael Jordan to, you know, Allen Iverson and Stephon Marbury and, you know, that whole ball-handling, you know, movement going to the hole, even though the physicality was there, 
there was pushback against that. I remember Bob Ryan told me back in the it was I was at ESPN at the time. So this was after 2005. Bob Ryan, one of the top journalists we have in his business, I, I, it was whatever Dallas Dallas played. Uh, who did they play? Did they played Cleveland. I think it was the the, the finals that Dallas won. I, Bob Ryan basically said this is the first time him, him being at the finals in ten years. He basically was boycotting that style of basketball. You know, so we go through these stages of the game going through transitions, and, and it's hard for us who, you know, weren't, weren't traditionalists back in the day, but we come to traditionalists because the way the game played prior to the way it's played now and how we hold that style of play against it and how difficult it is sometimes for us to adapt to, you know, what's going on. Um, so I'm not arguing with you. Um, I've tried to always be one to look at that entire scope of it and not just apply it to now. And understand that, you know, the game, kind of like, I don't want to sound like my man, um, uh, uh, Clayvon, I mean, uh, uh, Barksdale, Avon Barksdale on the wire, but the game is going to be the game, man. <laughs> you know, and, and if you love basketball, if everything is worth, you, you kind of got to accept. You don't have to like it, but you have to accept the transitions because it's all a part of the game evolving. And sometimes it evolves, in, you know, a way you don't like it sometimes evolves in a way that it, that is, is, you know, that people like. I can't say it's good or bad for the game because it, it is what the you know it is what it is. And and I, I try to like keep an open mind about that because we've been through this right from generation to generation. I get it. I, I still like watching Boston and Milwaukee, especially with Dame now uh, with Giannis and you know Orlando's a young upcoming team uh, that I like. I, I still can watch Golden State any day of the week. I, I love watching Denver. I think they. Still bring, even though they like to run and gun and shoot a lot, they bring some physical play to it. Minnesota's been a pleasant surprise this year. And and Luka and Dallas and Phoenix, because I like Booker because he's from uh, Grand Rapids. So in Oklahoma City, he's another young team. The Pistons, though, man, why I wanted to get you on. You know, they started off decent, and uh, the losing streaks at, what, 14? And I, I... I, I don't – they've gone through all the, hey, we're going to be bad and we're going to get these lottery picks. We're going to change the coach. We're going to do right. this. We're going to change the staff. We're going to change video people, shooting coaches. We're going to do all this. And it is worse than ever right now with the Pistons. Here's the thing I wanted to ask you. Is it worse than ever or are they just going through a bad stretch? I don't know. That's where I'm, okay. that, That's why I'm asking you. You've been on every basketball documentary. Hey, you know what? Here's the thing, man. And, and once again, I try to look, always look at the big picture and try to be as comprehensive as possible in my public assessment of, the, of things. And I think you and I have been having these conversations for at least four or five years. And every year around the beginning of the season, we have a Detroit Pistons conversation. I always speak with a ray of hope because I'm always like, all right, they're one player away. All they need to do is do this. They could be... You know, uh, I think a couple of years ago I said they could be the Charlotte Hornets or whatever. Uh, they could, you know, whatever the Eastern team that came out of nowhere and get, they have a chance to do that. They're just missing this piece or the other. You know, uh, Dwayne Casey just needs to do. You know, there's always just small changes they just need to make to get them over the hump. This is the first time that I'm like, one, I'm not gonna say that anymore because I'm tired of saying it and being wrong. <laughs> but two. I do not have an answer for you. Mm. What's going on in Detroit? And I'm looking at it from the outside looking in. 
with Monty being there, you know, when it started out the way it did, because it looked like it's promising, and like you said, there's always growing pages you have to go through. But this last stretch, especially these last 10, 11 games, I do not have an answer. Like, I don't know what's not clicking, what's going wrong. And, I, you know, it, it's hard to look at that and look at the Bulls at the same time. You know, so I really cannot put it. I could put an answer to the Bulls. I got that. Cause this, but their problems have been going on, and they've been the same problem for the last three years. This with Detroit, with all the changes they made, like you said, from the bottom up, the rebuild that they've basically done, I cannot understand why they're sitting at the bottom of the East right now. You know, I could see if it all fell apart after All-Star break. But for it to happen this early with basically no real, real, real health issues that are taking major players out for, you know, the whole 15, 17 games, I don't – I can't pinpoint what it is, man. You know, at at this point, I used to have to maybe start looking at culture and ownership. And I don't like saying those things without having, like, you know – concrete facts on this is exactly what the problem is, but you, through, the process of, through the process of elimination, what else is left to point the fingers at? GM. Uh, GM's a lot of the guy, the GM's done all this, put it all together. I mean, you, I, you know, to me, when I, when I look at teams underachieving and there aren't injuries, I know Bogdanovich could be, you know, 15 points a game you lose, but uh, they have enough young depth. Uh, to step up. I know I've heard the word young. Leadership's a factor. True point guard. You know, Cade's not a true NBA point guard. He's not quick enough. Uh, they don't have one. I think that hurts. It's like not having a quarterback to get the ball to your receivers or right. Right. swing it out to your running back out of the backfield. Uh, Monty is tough. You get a new way that he's telling them, this is how we do it. I don't care how you've done it in the past. That's an adjustment period. But with the way they started, I didn't see this. And then now 14 straight losses. I doubt they're going to beat the Lakers uh, tonight. So that would be a franchise record 15. And like you, you're saying exactly what I have been saying the last couple of days. I've run out of trying to explain it. The only other thing you can do, and, and gosh, it's not starting over, but it's finding a GM that's been a winner, that has won, that has that understands everything but you already changed coaches you right, brought in you brought in you brought in positional players to create depth I mean what else can you do unless you know it's up to the guys and one of my opinions I posted on the huge show social networks I said look you could even change a GM but I don't think that does anything right now it's up to these players to suck it up and show that they want to change things look Bagley's coming I mean uh, Bogdanovich is coming back but here's the thing explain I want to know, and that, that may help. We don't know if, if they win like a three, if they win three games and he gets back, there's more continuity. We'll, we'll see. And Thompson is playing well. He's one of the better rookies that is playing good basketball. But here's what I want to know. What's stopping them? And when, I'm not saying they had to do it this year, but what's stopping them from being Orlando? Because it's almost the same thing, really. Like building young, building around young players, learn how to play with one another. What 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 does Orlando have, literally, that Detroit doesn't? I think they got tougher players, to be honest. Uh, okay. I, I really, I think mentally tougher players. Kate, Kate Cunningham is not a mentally tough player. He's a great talent. and We'll see if he's ever going to enter the penthouse of the NBA. I don't think he will, but again, I'm not writing the guy off. He's still young. 
Uh, Duran has a, a man's body, but he's still young. And if you don't have a point guard or somebody who's playing the two-man game, he's going to be doing nothing but cleaning up the glass and getting boards. Uh, Ivy is better in the open court, not a shooter. I, I think the lack of pure shooting, that's why Bogdanovich's loss did sting. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have a 14-game losing streak. They might have a few more wins if they had Bogdanovich. If you think about it, pure shooters, okay? Well, what built Golden State? Pure shooters. Uh, right. what, what does Denver have? What does Boston have? What's Dame? What, what's Milwaukee? And go down the list. The teams I like to watch that are good. Miami, run they had last year. You know, I, I think what I like about Orlando, they, they're they young, but they have some tough dudes. Hey, yeah, well, yeah, I can see that. That, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. But it seems that it's – here's let me ask you this. Do the players get along one another? Because I was about to say the one thing I know for sure about Orlando is that the players actually like each other. Like they literally like each other. Like they're rolling with each other all the time. I don't know if that's happening. Uh, is it happening in Detroit? I don't know. I mean, when I do see – again, I'm not there when I do see – Players showing up at another Detroit sporting event or whatever. I don't see a lot of the dudes hanging out. I don't feel the chemistry. That's a good point. That could be a big part of it because if dudes are just showing up, getting a paycheck, it's going to be tough to win. You got to be one of the teammates at this point. And, and to me, that's what it looks like. And that I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking this out to you and figuring it out in my head. Maybe that's what it is because it seems like in Orlando they're more than just teammates. You know, they they and you don't want to use the overused term is, is family, especially professional sports, because that's never the truth. But from a player standpoint, it seems like they roll with each other as one, as a family. Like, we boys, we doing this together. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're unified in a different way beyond just being teammates. Um, and maybe that's what's missing in Detroit. And maybe that's something Monty has to figure out. You know, um, how do you build that? How do you get this? And maybe that's what you start needing to do. And I hate to start saying this because you've already gone through rebuild, but start looking at what you have on paper as asset, and then you and whoever the GM maybe because I'm I'm with you that, that that might have to be a change, but going into next year, maybe you and the new GM start looking at what you have on a roster as assets to get players in here to build mm. a team that's more like a family as opposed to 15 players that just look at themselves as just teammates for the time being. Yeah, Scoop, man. I, another rebuild. Uh, they moved down to the new stadium a few years ago from Auburn Hills to downtown Detroit. I, I, don't, I don't know if that franchise could afford another rebuild. We'll see tonight. Uh, when uh, They can start a win streak or the losing streak will hit 15 against the Lakers. I got to get to a network, T.O., my man. We'll catch up and talk hoop soon, okay? Be happy because at least both of your teams, basketball and football, don't suck. All right? <laughs> hey, the Bears beat the Vikings 12 10. Hey, don't discount the Bears. I think Justin Fields hey, is stop. I think Justin stop. Fields is playing the two guard for the Bulls now. He's playing for both teams. <laughs> I was about to say, don't make me hang up on you for the first time. No, Justin Fields, he's got a good game. He can put it on the floor as a nice little fadeaway jumper. He does. <laughs> Talk to you later, man. Uh, we love you, Scoop, man. You take care. Scoop Jackson, ESPNChicago.com. Yeah, if you watch any NBA any NBA documentaries on it, I've known him since the slam days when I was 
on AM 1000 in Chicago.